Hey guys, welcome to episode number 12 of the Jay's Love Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Manley. And before we get started, I'm going to say, if you have not listened to episode 11 with Mr. Jayzilla himself, Mr. James Marcelana, you'll want to listen to that first. It was an incredible episode we recorded at PRI. We've got so much feedback on this and uh, people saying, man, you should ask him about this story or ask him what he thinks about this. And so, so much feedback from it. We're going to have him back on uh, short, uh, shortly enough to actually go over some of these stories that you guys keep asking us about. Uh, but awesome interview. Go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. But the show must go on, and tonight our guest is a really good friend of mine. Uh, his journey of becoming a better track day driver is an incredible one. His name is Mr. Jack Fu. If you don't know the name, you'll probably know his car. It's that beautiful Brumos liveried NB Miata. It actually has a Honda J-Series motor swap in it, and I've been lucky enough to actually get to drive this car most of the year, uh, helping him develop this car and uh, make it as best a track car as it can be. But Jack's story is kind of interesting. It starts off, uh, as far as the track day journey, it starts off pretty low um, in a, and kind of a, it's sad. It's a little deep and, and it's kind of scary. Um, and it actually has a strange connection to our own Mr. Rick Stengard. So we're going to kind of delve into that a little bit. Um, it's so deep, I actually asked James if I could actually touch on this in this episode. So And he said, by all means, uh, to go ahead and, and ask Jack some of these questions and Rick some of these questions. So we will jump right into a, a really fun episode, but it's also going to be a educational because a lot I think people will learn from this and uh sit back relax and enjoy episode number 12 an interview with Mr. Jack Fu the Jayzilla podcast with Rick and Gino Hey guys, welcome to episode 12 of the Jay's Little Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Manley, and I'm here with Mr. Rick Stengard. Rick, where are you at tonight? I'm safely sound in Atlanta, home of the best <laughs> tracks in the world. Uh, I'm from Florida, so I don't know about all that, but we can talk about that in another episode. Um, all right, so our guest tonight is a really good friend of mine. Uh, most of you guys will know him. Most of you guys will recognize his beautiful car, and his name is Mr. Jack Fu. Jack, you with us tonight? Yes, sir. I'm on the Rick and uh, Gino show, man. That's right. You, you've officially made it now. So where are you calling from tonight? You in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm in Midtown. And, uh, you know, I've got to call my mom and uh, let her know that I'm on the show. <laughs> well, we'll send her a copy of it. All but, right. Um, your mom. So that's right. You're English, aren't you? Yes, sir. That, I was wondering how you spoke so well. So, all right. So, <laughs> so Jack, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? Um, obviously, everyone knows you in the paddock. Um but I've got to know you really well this year. It's probably a little too well. Um, but why don't you give uh, people a little background about yourself, where you're from, and, uh, you know, I think you have a couple kids and a couple wives, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Jack? Uh, born and raised in London, and I came to the U.S. in 2003. Uh, landed in Chicago in January wearing a T-shirt. I thought I knew everything about where I was going from the movies, but clearly I didn't. I uh, spent a couple of years in Chicago, moved to D.C., uh, then moved to Boston, met my wife, and then uh, had two children. 
or we have two children, uh, six and eight, David and Penelope, um, moved to Atlanta in 2013. And this is what I really call home now. I'm really, really happy to be here. So in the short few years, how, how did were you always in the cars even when you were in London or did you kind of get uh, attracted to that when you came to the U.S.? Uh, no, I've always been into uh, at being at the track. My dad, uh, when I was a kid, we took a stock car racing. He used to, he, he did a couple of seasons himself, but generally we were spectators. Um, my first track experience really was when I was about six. Uh, I went to a family trip to the seaside, and on the boardwalk was a go kart track, and uh, I just dragged my dad there and. I just wanted to really, you know, go on these go-karts. And as I'm lining up, there's a sign that says, you must be eight years old. Well, I was only six. So I turned to my dad and said, Dad, what are we going to do? He goes, the man asked, just tell him you're eight years old. <clears throat> so I get I get to this guy and he says, how old are you, son? I, go, I turn around and said, I'm six. No, 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 I'm eight. I'm eight. And he says, sorry, you can't come on here. Well, I bawled my eyes out the rest of the day. The rest of the day. My dad was annoyed with me my mom was trying to console me my sister was like getting pissed being you know me sulking um and, and every day it seemed like after that i just kept thinking about being at the track so you mentioned that so let's kind of fast forward so you come to the u.s um and i know you well enough that you kind of have a i guess you say you bleed mopar blue so uh, why don't you tell us about when you came stateside, how you kind of got into into motorsport here? I, I think you did some drag racing. And so uh, why don't we fast forward uh, to, to modern day, Jack, and tell us a little about your uh, your motorsports uh, hobbies these days. Well, when I first got here in 2006, I had a, I bought a 300C uh, Chrysler. And um, it was really just a daily driver. I, didn't, I, I went to a few NASCAR races uh, around about that time. But then when I moved to Atlanta um, from Boston, I mean, in Boston, I couldn't really buy a nice car. The, the salt and the snow would just ruin it. So moved to Atlanta and uh, I buy a uh, 2014 Dodge Challenger SRT. And within a couple of months of owning it, I get an invite to Road Atlanta to do a SRT track experience. And I've come to find out that this is kind of a regular thing where people can go to the track, right? Um, it was kind of a lead follow kind of thing, but the, the leader was kind of fast. And he told us after lunch that the guy behind him, if he's getting close, he'll go faster. So we were probably doing some you know, decent laps. They weren't parade laps. They were kind of fast laps. A couple of weeks after that, um, a Jane Ziller event appears on my Facebook time for the timeline, right? So I sign up for it and I, I persuade a couple of uh, other challenger owners to come as well. I think it must have been like a depth of winter in 2014, I'm going to say. And um, I had a real good time. I, I, I just I just felt I was back to where, where my life should have been going. And um, Signed up for a couple more. Um, traded in the 14 for a 2016 uh, Challenger SRT. And I probably did 
eight to ten track days a year around about that time. Gotcha. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of back you up there. So, how does a uh, somebody like you coming from the UK end up at a NASCAR race? Was that a, was that an interesting transition, or how how did you take to that? Oh, I, I'm of the mantra that if it's got four wheels and goes fast and is loud, I, I, I want to be near them. <laughs> so, and just to kind of keep count too, you're probably the, I guess the sixth or seventh guest that's also has a, a field in the IT industry. Yeah, I work in the. Um... Hospitality and technology. Okay, so uh, I guess when I asked you if you could download this, this app, you you, could, you knew how to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I think I got it, man. <laughs> All right. Well, let me tell you something. In the intro for this episode, I kind of mentioned how the story of Jack. Um, it's it's a really cool story because it it really goes over, um, you know, how you're becoming a better driver, um, how you're starting to mesh with the community and, and become really a staple of Jayzilla paddock. But, um, and you kind of talked about your humble beginnings and, and your challenger. Uh, but, you know, again, we can't tell the story without saying, so one of the things in this hobby is there's always a certain level of risk. There's a certain level of danger um, and people know it. And unfortunately for you, you kind of experienced probably the lowest of, of, of what the hobby has to offer when you had a little bit of an incident. And, uh, I guess you kind of have a strange connection. I actually didn't even know this until a couple of weeks ago, but um, you actually had a had a little of a of a, of a crash at Road Atlanta, um, I guess a couple of years ago, um, and you had an instructor in the car. And funny enough, his name is Mr. Extendguard. So I kind of uh, decided to have you guys both come on a little bit because I want to talk about uh, how how it all went down, um, but also how you kind of got back on the horse and now you had the Mion. Then we'll talk about that in a second. So. Um, why don't you give me just a quick rundown of kind of what happened that day and, and, and what you learned from it. We're going to go there, huh? <clears throat> We're going to go there. <laughs> well, I, I, I think I got to the point where I made some upgrades, some suspension upgrades on the, on the Challenger. And um, it was kind of to the point where it was uncomfortable to drive, uh, you know, going to and from work. But I thought I'd give it a try at the track <clears throat> and see if I can make some improvements uh, in my in my craft. And so that one particular event at Road Atlanta, I'd asked James if um, if he could give me an instructor. Um, and shortly after, I was introduced to Rick. And so first session. <clears throat> now this is this is hard. First session, we go out. It's two year, two laps of yellow, right? Full course yellow. And Rick says to me, uh, when we go green, you do a lap how you would do it. And then the lap after that, we'll do a lap um, how he would do it. Uh, okay. So we go green and I turn one and I go through the S's. And as I'm going up into turn five and the turtles on the right-hand side, uh, I hit them and just went sideways. The back stepped out and just went away from me. I jumped on the brakes and um, landed in the tire wall on the left-hand side. And it didn't dawn to me until afterwards, actually, when I, 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 see, I keep looking at that particular piece of the track that um, we were probably 10, 20 feet away from just hitting concrete. Well... I uh, looked round to Rick after the car had stopped into the tires. 
And uh, I thought we were pretty good shape because the airbags didn't go off or anything like that. I looked around the and asked if he was okay. And he said, yeah, he's okay. <clears throat> and then I started thinking about having to make that phone call to the wife and ask her if I could borrow the car on Monday to go to work in, which kind of depressed me a little bit. But funny now. Um, so so I, I'll just stop you there. So we'll just make everyone aware. So everyone was okay. Um, Carl wasn't so awful okay, but you, you and Rick were okay. You guys were, were just fine. Yeah, yeah. We, we. I mean, we got out of the car, our own free will, and and uh, got into the back of the ambulance, which is obligatory, right? So we we took that ride around the rest of the track. And so after after that's all done, the car was the car was done. Uh, no. Um. Uh, I sat there looking at it all day, waiting for a tow truck to take it back. And one of the other Challenger owners there uh, worked at a dealership. So he had it taken back to um, uh, his dealership. And within about four weeks, it was repaired. All right. So it wasn't, it wasn't total that or anything like that? Uh, the bill, you, you would have thought so. But uh, no, it wasn't totaled. It was just mainly front-end damage. Um, but I, I got it back in time. I think it would have been Charlotte. Would have been like the, I think the second time now. Gotcha. All right, so freeze right there. So let me kind of have Rick. Rick, why don't you jump in? So, um, you know, it's funny. Me and you instruct, and we always know this is kind of a possibility that that there could be an incident that could happen, and uh, and we take that risk. So I kind of want your input on on that, and not so much what went wrong because that's a very common. Um, I was at a NASA event two weeks ago, and I saw that same exact incident happen three times. So that's a common, um, you know, uh, to have a, have an incident right there at turn five. So we all know what happened. But um, from your standpoint as an instructor, what did you learn from that, and and anything you you could take from that? Hey, hey, Rick, Man. Rick, can yeah. I just can I just say that we've never spoken about it, have we? And you know, we so, did. Hold on, we we actually did once at the next AMP event after you you made sure I was oh, okay and we parted ways. You did check in at the next AMP event, and yeah. I really appreciated that. Okay, okay, okay. I was going to say this could be fair, therapeutic, so I'm going to lay down on the couch for a second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll talk all about our feelings because actually, this is such a neat thing that you're coming on and you're willing to talk about this because it was a it was a big event for you and it was a big event for me, but. This is the kind of thing that we want people to understand what you go through and what goes through your mind when there is an issue on track. And it's what we preach every time we, we have a driver's meeting, personal responsibility. And, and for the listeners, this is what's at stake when you to accept that personal responsibility. And there is nobody that has accepted it and embraced it like Jack has, um, not only the day it happened, but since then. And I, while this the crash story is important, it's the comeback story that's more important. Um, but but briefly, from the instructor's seat, um, you know, met Jack and uh, really liked him. Friendly, outgoing guy, beautiful car, and he told me he'd just done all the suspension work. Um, also, credit to him for his memory of that day. Um, his, his description brought me back, and it's exactly how I remember it. Um, so we went out, and I did at one point recognize that this is the dangerous part of the dummy curve or the Dunning-Kruger effect. You had probably 10 track days under your belt, maybe a little more, and you were just starting to believe that you knew everything like everybody does, like I did. 
and you got bit by it. Mm-hmm. And so we're, here we are, we're going out. He, he rightfully said, Hey, I'd like an instructor. Uh, haven't been at road Atlanta or haven't been there in a while and uh, have some new things to the car. And so we went out and, um, you know, it was a cold day when I, when I talk about the curbs are cold and wet, remember that that's what bit us. Uh, it was not a, not particularly driver error beyond just cold, wet curbs and there's not as much traction. So again, something we preach, but we went out, we turned two really solid yellow laps. You know, Jack knew the line. He knew what he was doing, had good throttle control. And, uh, on the first lap around as he was kind of showing me what he felt comfortable with, and I think this was a mistake as an instructor and something that I'd like to change in the future. Uh, we should have talked through this lap differently. Um, but I, I accepted, uh, you know, kind of the same assumptions that he had. And so I, I felt uh, very responsible for this after it happened. But we went up to turn five and uh, touched a wet curb and came around. But as all this happens, you start thinking about what's it going to be. And, and we stopped at the wall. And we checked out. I was okay. He was okay. And I had the same thought. No airbags. This is a good sign. Can't be that bad. But we hit that wall pretty hard. And it messed up the front of the car. I don't think he was able to drive it home. And as we were getting in the ambulance, I was thinking, man, this could have been a lot worse. This is the risk that we take on. Um, You know, my first ambulance ride, thanks to Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully you lost. Yeah, right. Hopefully. Knock on wood. Uh, but we go through all these emotions and it's part of the thrill of doing track days is, you know, there's an element of risk. Um, and at the same time, you don't ever want to meet that risk. And so we were lucky. We were blessed. And Jack did a good job of control. Once it went sideways, he did a good job of controlling it as best he could and made sure we hit the tires instead of the concrete. Um, so that's kind of the incident itself. Um, I, coming away from it. I felt really guilty. It was a beautiful blue car, uh, my favorite color, and uh, a car that I would have loved to have owned and driven. And, uh, you know, we smashed it up. And I say we because I was in the passenger seat and I, you know, had responsibility for uh, working on that. And, you know, that that's you don't want that to happen. And I, I felt bad for Jack in the phone call I knew he had to make. <laughs> At least it wasn't worse. You, you know, so I'm going I'm to jump in right there, Rick. And so... And I, I kind of, you know, everyone looks to you and, and guys like you and Kevin as, as kind of the, the lead of the instructor group um, and young. And, and and I think that's important. And, you know, here's an incident. And, and you could very easily say, man, that guy could have killed me. Uh, I could have had this, yada, yada, yada. But your, come, your take from this even a couple of years later is, man, I was almost just as in control of that car as Jack was. And so you you yourself as the instructor take responsibility. So I just kind of want to point that out to some of the, the guys that might be newer instructors, even though you're not in the driver's seat and yeah, you assume the risk was going to happen. Um, you know, you're almost just responsible to, to, for having the tone of driver down or to recognize the wet curves or conditions. So, um, you know, and I applaud you for kind of pointing that out. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, for that passenger seat is an important job and you know, the, the other messages for our drivers, just because an instructor says you can do something doesn't mean you have to. Um, that wasn't really the case with Jack. I, I was not a point where we were. Sure. Uh, it was kind of just a sighting lap. But if you're ever in a situation and you don't feel comfortable that the instructor is right or uh, that, that the instructor uh, can coach you faster, it's OK to go slow. It's OK to slow down. Um, you know, use your judgment. If you're not comfortable, let the instructor know that. And that's part of the you know, the responsibility to communicate on both sides because it is a team once you're in the car. 
Gotcha. So, and, and, you know, one thing I'll kind of just jump in there, Rick, and you'll probably agree with this, you know, every single driver's meeting at AMP, it seems like uh, we always say, Hey, it's cold out there. It's wet. And you know, nothing really ever happens. You might have a spin or two, but um, I think it kind of amplifies even for the regular drivers and non-instructor drivers. Those opening laps are, are very important for the sighting of, of looking for wet curves and, and, and so I don't think people ever really realize that those opening laps are, are educational laps to see the conditions of the track. And, um, again, here's a kind of a reminder of it. Um, uh, but you know, again, I appreciate you guys kind of both talking on that and we'll kind of talk about the comeback a little bit, but, uh, Jack, how long did it take you, um, to kind of get over that incident? Because that, that, that could really take some people out of the game. I know I put plenty of cars into the wall. I've done it a couple times this year even, and it, it takes a couple minutes to kind of get back on the horse. So what was your time frame to, to kind of accept what happened and, and jump back on? Uh, I, I'm of the belief that, you know, you need to get back on the horse as, as soon as you can. What I guess what delayed me more than anything was the financial recovery of getting the car fixed uh, before I could get out again. Um, but during that time, I took a serious look at, I knew I wanted to go back. I, I, I love being at the track. I love just driving uh, the way that you can at the track. Um, I love the learning aspect of, you know, and improving my craft. <clears throat> but I had to take an economic um, oversight of it all. And so I decided that, I should. The, the the challenger wasn't working out too well in lots of aspects. I love the car. I wish I still had it, but my kids were sort of like getting to the side size where, in the back seat, in their seats, their feet wouldn't actually touch the ground, and so they were in the back of my seat, and I had to move so much forward that it was just uncomfortable to drive. So, I decided that I was going to sell it, get a more family friendly car. And then have a dedicated track car, so I wouldn't have to make that phone call again. If I, if I wrecked it, I could just walk away from it and then start over. Uh, but I guess it took me three to six months, and it probably took a little bit longer to get the confidence back up again to get back up to speed. Um, actually, in fact, uh, Barbara in the Mazda Two with Eugenio was was a day that. Um, I felt good again. So let's talk a little bit about what you moved on to. Um, so I guess at some point you, you got rid of the challenger. You, you got, um, I guess what's your tow vehicle now? You got, you got a nice Jeep and you moved on. You've joined the brotherhood of Miata. So <laughs> tell me a little about how you, uh, how you got into a Miata and uh, maybe tell us the, the humble beginnings of, of a car that I personally have become very close with. Uh, why don't you tell us the story of that? So I picked the car up in beginning of, uh, 2018 and I've no doubt in my mind subliminally that um, James had everything to do with it um, but I, I picked up this Miata, it was an MB and I spent whatever I needed to to make it track worthy um, brakes safety aspects um and spent, and I had a goal in my mind that I would spend at least a year um, to or get to the point where I was 90% on momentum around any of the tracks that we go to. Um, 
towards the end of the year, I did the Road Atlanta, Jay Zilla Road Atlanta. And probably later in the day, I'm, you know, I'm getting more and more confident. I'm getting more speed. I'm getting a uh, good line, good breaking points. And I come out of turn seven and I'm heading up, up the hill. And I see this bird and this bird beat me to 10A. And it was then I realized this car needs a bit more power. <laughs> and once again, shortly after that, I mean, I didn't even say anything when James tells me that there's this small little company in Royston, Georgia, uh, that uh, swapped a minivan motor into a Miata. And I was like, oh, yeah? So what is it? And he says, a V6. And, and that struck a call to me because um, V6 seemed a little bit more sensible than a V8. Uh, I, I'm a kind of a big fan of normally aspirated cars for reliability. So uh, shoot towards the beginning of the next year. I go to Royston and meet these guys and we chat and he gives me a number. So I leave the car there and come back uh, four weeks later. Um, and Chad Burdette came with me so we could get some nice pictures, which we did, of course. Chad always takes a good photograph, right? Um, and, and there she was, uh, V6, J-swapped uh, Honda and in, in sort of Miata. So, Jack, I got to ask. You came from this big old Mopar V8. You went to a little four-banger Miata, and that was just too slow. And then you went to a, a Honda-powered Miata, which is a, a total Frankenstein. What do your old Challenger and Charger friends think of this new Jack? Oh, there's um, there's disowned me. <laughs> I I are they wor- They're words you can't use on a family well, friendly podcast. No, you know, have you know, Rick? All right, having two kids, you're, you're limited time, right? And my spare time is needs to be spent on what I like doing. And I like spending time at the track. And the the few, there was maybe 10 of us at one point, 10, 10 of the Challenger owners uh, that would go to the track days. Um, and then there was other social events that we would do. <clears throat> but I, I just had to equate what available time I had. And um, my wife also insisted that I spend more time with the kids. Um, she picked up work at the weekend so my weekends are spent looking after them which is why I don't really get to the weekend events so much um, so I I, I kind of stay in touch with them but I don't do any of the events that they typically would do these days because I like to be at the track so um, I the well, we certainly appreciate having you at our events. And in yeah, no, I, and I love being there, man. So let me ask you this, Jack, because, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm somehow a part of this, um, the development of the Mianda now. So, I mean, I, you've had some challenges with this. This wasn't all great. And I, I think even today, up until three weeks ago, we're still kind of ironing some kinks out of, out of this car. But uh, um, just so people know, um, and again, it might not even be so much on the company that did it. It's just, it's just things when you do a motor swap that happen. What are some of the challenges you face um, with trying to get this, getting, getting the car 100%? So there's been 
two major issues that have consumed um, consumed me and consumed you a little bit. Uh, one is um, the motor getting kind of hot. It never overheated, but it would get hot to the point where um, it would go into limp mode a couple of times. And we've resolved that now, thanks to uh, Johnny at Nine Lives Racing and his sturdy boy. And Jason at United Speed Racing, they've, they've kind of boxed in the front of the car. So all the airflow now goes straight through the radiator. And the temps have dropped considerably. And it's been so much more reliable. Um, the other thing about this J-Swap is that they fabricate an oil pan. Um, so it fits in the car. So the engine is low enough that you can close the hood, right? And it's all, all, all custom made. Well, for whatever reason, and I, it's probably the heat related since my oil was getting up to like 315, uh, the oil pan would fracture. And I've since discovered that I, even though it wasn't smoking or anything like that, I was losing oil. And low enough to the point where when you turned left, the oil slipped away from the oil pickup and then went into, like again, limp mode. Um, so I had the oil pan. Uh, I, I got a new one, actually, and it had some double welds around it. But I believe now that since we've cured the heating problem, that the oil pan is not going to fracture as uh, like it had before. So... Um, last two events, Roblin and uh, Rolanta, were really promising. And I think I've got one more slight change to make, um, a slight repair on the gasket of the oil pan. I think I think we're losing a little bit of oil there. But as you as you recall, right at Rolanta, we just after a couple of sessions, we topped it out, and we never had had that issue again. So I think I think we're getting there. Um, but overall, the the engine has been really good. Um, I haven't had as many glitches as one might find uh, in a swap like that. Um, so I'm really pleased with with. Uh, it took a while to get there, but I'm pleased with where we are right now. Gotcha. So you know, and one thing I, I'll say about your project, Jack, is you have introduced so many people into it. Um, just trying to get opinions. Rick, I know you've had the pleasure of driving the car. I've probably driven the car more than you this year, Jack. Um, <laughs> I know many of people this year have given you input on that. So so tell me a little bit. Is that your thinking is to get a bunch of people collectively that, that know a little bit more about certain things and try to get their opinion on it? Is that, is that why you have uh, so many people drive the car and give you feedback on it? And, and have you had any luck from that? I mean, has that helped with the development of the car? You think? Absolutely. Everyone that's driven the car has given some really good feedback. Um, uh, Justin Hunt give us some really good f- good feedback on the car, and, and I think, well, I'm I'm sure without all this feedback, it wouldn't have got to where it is today. Um, yeah, no doubt. I you know, and I think it's the beauty of this community, right? I can anyone can go in in the paddock and talk to someone and. Um, I'd like to see a few more J-Swap Miatas out there, but hopefully that time will take care of that. But 
you know, you get to talking to other people uh, that know more than I do about cars, and um, it saves you a lot of time and money because you can help, um, uh, you know, like the mechanic kind of narrow it down a bit for you, or at least going in the right direction. And, and I'm really, I'm really grateful for for everyone that's been involved. So that's a great point, getting this input from other people. And we see some of it at our events, but we don't see a we don't see it all the time. A lot of people are afraid to let other folks drive their cars. But you're right. It definitely can lead to uh, quicker input. Now, when I've done it, I usually only let them turn a lap or two. You, you seem to be a little more generous than that. How many people do you think have driven that car more than you have on the track? We know Gino's on. Yeah, that list. Gino's on that list. Um well, I can tell you everyone that drove it, uh, Gino, Rick, Jason, Justin, uh, Corey Funk. He gave me some good input. Um, who else? Oh, um, Chris Briscoe. Uh, he actually was the first one to drive it. And together, we, or, well, together he, he figured out the rear suspension needed a little bit of a tweaking. And we did that. And... Um, made some good adjustments that day um, and made some, it, it gave us some, a little bit more confidence prior to that. It was like, Oh man, there's something wrong, you know? Um, so there's been a few people that have driven it and, I, and I'm quite happy if somebody's willing to spend the time afterwards and give me some feedback to, to just see the car and track. You know, I go back to what I said earlier that um, I'm happy. I'm, if I could, if I have to walk away from this car because it gets wrecked, that it, it's it's not gonna be like that day when I had my daily driver uh, wrecked. Um, and yeah, no, I'll have a serious problem if somebody wrecks the car. Just I'm just letting people know that. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Gino. This is probably one of the the most massaged me out there. If somebody's out there, that car, right. they're gonna have a problem with me. Maybe not Jack without a problem with me, but well, so, um, so the thing is, right? You can't let someone drive the car and expect feedback if they're they're going out there conservative, right? It's it's a track car. It's almost as close to a, becoming a race car. Um, so I expect it to be driven like that, and I expect to get feedback from that kind of level, and. Uh, if if the car does wreck, the only thing I would be worried about is the driver. Yep. And, and you're touching on an important topic. And we've talked about this before. This is why the, the truth is, I won't even call it a joke anymore. The truth is your nicest track car is your first one because everybody learns that there's more to it than having a nice looking car on track. It's about the ability to go and have a lot of fun and do it in something that you're more or less able to walk away from. And, and the freedom that comes with that is worth more than you can imagine, uh, at least for well, me. Well, is. mentally, right? If you're in the back of your mind thinking, man, I've got to drive this car to work on Monday. Um, may, maybe you're not getting a real track experience. So I, I, exactly. I agree with that. So let me ask you. So we know we've heard about the car. Um, it's fantastic. What about you, Jack? You, do you think um, since and I mentioned you had the lowest of lows where you put one on the wall, um, thankfully walked away. But, you know, you've you've made the commitment, made the investment in your craft to go buy a dedicated track car. Uh, so do you think um, 
talk to me a little about that real quick. I mean, do you feel like your confidence as a driver has increased since since the incident and and even today? I mean, I, I'm I'm sure it has because I was just drifting with you at Road Atlanta a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, talk about that the actual driver aspect of it and and where you think you've come and and things like that. Well, I was getting pretty cocky up until Road Atlanta with Rick. Um, and after that, I probably stepped back about at least four or five, right? Uh, dulled it back a bit. <clears throat> um, it, it, there was a while, actually, two very recently, where I decided that I would I would skip the first session. I was going to let you guys drive the track before I went out there, and um, it was it became like a a habit for me just to just to sit back and collect myself and you know get ready and not be rushed out onto the track um, for the first session so skip forward to barber and driving even a slower car no actually let me t- let me back up a bit because it was more being a passenger uh, with you as the driver in a slow car, momentum car, right? Not slow car, but momentum car, uh, going really fast around the track and seeing really what the car could do um, that built my confidence back up. Uh, and I, and I, I'm really grateful that you allowed me uh, a couple of sessions in the in the Mazda 2. Um, I tried really hard to get it on two wheels, but uh, I don't know what it takes to do that. I'll get there though. Um, <laughs> so l- let me ask you real quick. Let me just jump in there. I, I remember this. Uh, you know, I I never really got, uh, knew Jack. I mean, I kind of saw him in the paddock, saw his car, and I remember driving the barber. And I got a message from you saying, "Hey, can I ride with you?" And it's like, of course you can. So I mean, so what what was the there was James? You told you to reach out to somebody and, and, and ride with somebody. What was the uh, the beginning of that? I never really understood how that happened. <laughs> okay, so. Uh... There was one of the problems, the heating problems with the Mionda. So I was unable to take the car and I wanted to go to Barber. And I figured, well, I'll go and just maybe see if there's anyone I can go ride alongs with, right? And um, I don't remember how you come into the fore, but um, it was, I mean, I hadn't even met you, had I? No, no, that's the weird thing is like I, I didn't even know who you were, so I was I was wondering if it was James or something like that 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 did it because it's just it's a and the, and I'm just to make fun of myself if if I'm gonna go to an event I don't want to ride with me I want to ride with somebody in a, in a Camaro or, or Corvette so it's just always I was always thought it was very odd which I'm more than happy to have passengers at any given time obviously but um, it was just a little strange and um, and I guess you were gonna rent a Mini Cooper that day and I was like don't uh, don't that... do that just drive the <laughs> that's car. right that's right I did I did. Um, but you know, if anything I've done in the last four or five years that's track related, then you can probably guarantee that James is the enabler and, (laughs) and he probably threw your name out there. And that's why I messaged you that day. Gotcha. Well, and then, so since then, you know, I know, I feel like I think any event you've done, I've probably been there, uh, whether it was Charlotte and I know I've gotten the, the pleasure of coaching a little bit. I know everyone 
has done that a little bit. So, um, what, what's your takeaways? And, and, and I still think you consider yourself relatively new to the, the track scene. I think even you yourself would say that, um, what's your advice to somebody that's done a, a bunch of days like you, as far as learning? I mean, is, is it don't stop learning or, or listen? What, what would you say to a guy like yourself if, if you were teaching him? Well, my, my approach is, uh, um, there's always something new. There's always, uh, something different to learn from someone someone else uh that can make you enjoy your day at the track better than better than before so i always look to um i have an expectation now of of the next track day was better than the last and um you, you you know that doesn't really work unless you have the right people around you and i'm i i, I feel blessed Truly blessed that I do. Oh, we, I should say we. We have a good group of people around us that are uh, considerate and supportive. And, um, you know, I always feel like instructors are um, stuntmen in a way. I mean, you got me somewhat, I'll say crazy, but. Um, you got to be like living on the edge to get in the passenger of a car with a, a complete stranger, not knowing their, you know, their real ability. Um, and I, in that respect, the driver that's being instructed, you've got to, you've got to go in there and like leave your ego and cause everyone thinks they're out in the center. Right. So you've got to leave your ego way, way home before you get to the track and you've got to be prepared to listen um, and some instructors are better than others. Some, some, some can um, elocute uh, what you, you need to do better than others. But regardless, you've got to listen to them. You've got to say, hey, you know, you're in my hands and I'm in your hands. We're in this together. Um, and, and Rick, going, just going back to Road Atlanta, I, I never felt any blame towards you whatsoever. I, 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 that, I, that was all my fault. I always, and I believe that to this day, yeah, you won't be able to convince me otherwise. Um, that was a position. I, I think I sat back afterwards and said to myself, man, they sit at the driver's meeting, get your head in gear first, warm up your brakes, get your head in gear first. And I, I just, maybe there was a part of me that wanted to try to impress you at that point. Or, you know, we, you know, Jack, that's, that's a funny thing. And until I started coaching at Porsche, I wouldn't have even had that cross my mind, but we, I, I would not have asked you to do the laps the way we did with new insight. And this goes to the growth for everybody. Uh, you know, you, you live and learn. And unfortunately, sometimes there's a penalty, but um, you know, that it, it's nobody's fault. It's the team's fault. And we took it together and fortunately everybody came out. Okay. But uh, you know, it's uh, it goes all around. And that's the whole thing. It's not about what happened. It's about this incredible recovery that you you came back stronger. You're part of the community and uh, just glad to see that. And have there, that story. there are so many positives that you can take away from a wreck. So many. They, they're not apparent initially, but as you as you uh, as each day passes and, and you think more about it, there there become so many positives that it's just um it's ironic in a way, but it's um, how it's ha happened to me, worked out for me. 
and and and, and again to you guys. I mean, if you're listening again, the the, the events we put on are very safe. Um, <clears throat> we have very rarely have incidents, but if you do this enough, um, there is a chance that something's going to happen. And and again, it's like Rick says, a personal responsibility. Um, you know, again, I've been in racing situations where I've had contact and 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 had a car in a wall. Um, a lot of people didn't realize this, but I put a car myself into the wall at AMP this year. I was avoiding a, a spinning car, and I made a decision to go right and. Um, I didn't have enough room when I tagged the wall and thankfully the car was fine. I drove away. I was okay. But, um, and, and I do, a, I've done this for many years and have several events kind of like you, Rick. And, and when you ask something to happen like that, it, it, it kind of takes you back, but you know, you really got to get back on the horse. And, and I remember the Sonny Chen episode where he put one notoriously into the tire barrier at AMP. And it's something that if you talk to him, he's very proud of because he bounced right back. So, um, again, things are going to happen, and we, we assume that risk when we go out there and have fun. They rarely do, but, you know, when they do, it's kind of about how you handle them. Um, and I think sometimes people get worried um, about the embarrassment of what happened, you know, what other people think. I, I just think whenever you see an incident happen, I've been around this enough, the first thing we think of is, man, are they okay? Second, what can we do to help? And I've never, ever been in a situation, um, whether it's a race or a track day, um, whatever it is where somebody has incident, there's, there's never any blame or finger pointing. It's, uh, immediately it's man, are they all right? How can we help? And, uh, you know, again, and kind of how you come back from it. So important thing we talked about, I had no idea the connection you guys had till really just a couple of weeks ago. And, um, I, I do appreciate you guys kind of talking about, about that and, and what you can learn. And myself, what I take from it is again, the instructors, um, yeah, we assume this risk, um, but we have a responsibility to our drivers when they're in the driver's seat and same thing with the drivers you know when you have when you're even by yourself or you're with an instructor you know um do the best you can you know use those reconnaissance laps wisely and and, and always try to have an out um i'm sure rick you're the same way whenever you do the recon laps if i'm thinking if i have a worst case scenario what's my out here um to to kind of you know to become better drivers and improve the craft but um i'm going to kind of move on a little bit into lightning round rick do you want to add anything to that or do you want to i think you had a couple things you want to touch on Absolutely. So we, we told you we were going to put you on the spot and we get some uh, this or that decisions. You got to make these really quick. Okay. You ready? Okay. He doesn't do, he Miata does, or he Challenger. Doesn't do anything quick. <laughs> Miata yeah. or Challenger. All right. Mazda or Honda. You mean like Moda? Oh, you got to just tell me Mazda or well, Honda. Well, it's Mazda Honda, right? Yeah. Mazda with right, a Honda. Right. <laughs> all right jack or colin uh if you don't know me jack all right fair enough uh power or momentum oh there's got to be something being in between <laughs> you can't make up a third choice you got to pick momentum. momentum i think you can learn you, you can take a lot more away from the track with momentum all right perfection or good enough um I strive for perfection. All right. Drive your own car or have somebody else drive it? Drive my own car. All right. And Jay Zilla or Chin? Oh, Jay Zilla. Hands down. <laughs> All right. You okay, passed good, the test. good. I thought that last one was easy. But... Definitely. Uh, the only other thing I want to touch on, and, and I know we had kind of a heavy episode. This was the, the therapy couch and I think a good window into what can happen. But let's have some fun. Um UK versus US car culture. You you were involved in both of these. You you saw what I guess was the UK's version of 
stock car racing, NASCAR racing. How do you compare and contrast those two? What are some of the fun? Well, it's a lot bigger here. I mean, yeah, well, everything's but, bigger. I here. mean, everything's bigger. Like, so back in the UK, a stock car race, you might get twenty thousand people and twenty cars on an event. I mean, here you know what the difference is, right? You can fill Daytona with a hundred thousand people. Um, yeah, <clears throat> there's a lot more effort. Uh, here that goes into uh, motorsport. How so? Uh, probably because of the wealth. Oh, that, that everything's better funded, that it's driven yeah, to a higher level? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Overall, this is another this or that. Did the colonists get it right? Did they get it right coming here? Yeah. No. Did the colonists uh, get it right when it comes to motorsports, or would you prefer to be back in the old? Oh country? no, I, no. I, I, I'm here to stay. There's no going back. I, I, I will say, <laughs> since you brought it up, though, is that the engineering uh, level in the UK is pretty high, um, and it's it's spread uh, quite broad around the world. Well, they, they do have touring cars there. We don't really have those here. So I'm, that's I, something, you know, that's but, something we need here, man. We need touring cars yeah, here. You know how I feel about touring cars. So I, we, need, we need to talk to the UK and see if we can get some of those over here. <laughs> All right. Was you, you ready for lightning round, Rick? Let's do All it. All right, Jack. So this is lightning round. We asked you some questions, some fun stuff. Wait a minute. A I thought we just did lightning round. No, no. That was that was that the warm up. So this this is entering lightning round. James, if you're listening, I need a sound effect for lightning round. Get on that. So, uh, <laughs> there's your thunder effect. <laughs> All right, here we go. So you are tasked tomorrow. You get a call from. Uh, let's keep it in Atlanta. Let's say you get a call from Porsche North America, and you have to field a car in next year's Petit Le Mans. You have to pick four drivers, but they have to be from Jayzilla. Who are your four drivers that you're gonna field in your Porsche? Four drivers from Jay Zilla. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to pick four drivers from the Green Group. <laughs> okay. Well, can you give me some names? No, seriously, four drivers. Well, you kind of both. You know that you you got a good chance, right? Rick and Gino. Um, I like Nick Thompson. Uh, I like I like to I, whenever I've watched him out on a track, I always found like man, I need to ride with him. Yeah, because <clears> he's out of control. Was is there anything wrong with that? <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know what? I think I think Tony Carter needs a shout. I think he's made some real good progress over the last year or so. Uh, he can definitely wheel that Mustang around. Um, so. I would go for the nice, steady, steady crew. I like it. All right. So here's a fun one for you, I think, um, because, Jack, you just you love the people so much. I mean, I got to spend three days with you at PRI last week. And, um, you know, we're either we're having dinner out on the Talisman van after track day. So I get to spend a lot of time with you. Um, I know you appreciate the people a lot in the group. So what this year, 2019, what is your favorite Jason Lamont moment? If you could, if it all ended tomorrow, what's one moment you would want to hold on to uh, in your memory bank? Without doubt, the last two sessions at Charlotte, under the lights. I just love that. 
that, that, those two sessions. I just, I, I just, that's what I go for. <clears throat> gotcha. And that was, uh, that was, uh, I remember, I think you and James Davis had a cool photo from that. Um, yeah, we was, did. Uh, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like everyone else, that, that that's kind of one of the favorite moments. So, all right. Um, what is the favorite track we go to in Jayzalon? So you've done, gosh, I think you've done all of them. So what's your favorite track? Um, it's a toss up between Road Atlanta and Barber. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, I thought I thought you'd probably say Charlotte, but Road Atlanta or Barber. So that guy, I'll take that tie. That's a good one. Um, what's the track we do not go to that you want to go to? Uh, well, it has to be VIR. And it has to be Daytona. And it has to be Sebring. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a bucket list of tracks. And if they're drivable within a day, I want to go there. So, James, if you're listening, Daytona, VIR, and, uh, and Sebring. Is Road so America you... too far to go to? I don't know from Atlanta. I mean, we're in wisconsin i know i'm going next year what's uh what's the time to wisconsin rick from atlanta yeah it's a it's a pretty good haul that that's a long three days i think some adventurous people like gino might make it but uh (laughs) those of us that are wimps uh that that's a pretty big trip well i tell you what jack if i go you can just come drive my car and you can fly up deal all right, so what is – okay, let's say the Mianda was benched. What is your favorite car you saw this year in, in Jay's If you could pick one car, what was one car that just did it for you? Um, I'm not um, – well, that's a tough one. There, there are so many. I, I, I think it would have to be like a single-seater open – like a radical, I think a radical. Well, you know you can drive those next year. Oh, oh really? Yeah, they're they're going to be for rent. So keep that in the back of your mind. Um, <clears throat> so I was talking to James today, James Marcelana, and he tells me that he recommends all the good food places to you. So first, is that true? And second, <laughs> what's your favorite place James has recommended that you guys have eaten at? Yes, it's true. And my favorite <clears throat> has been the ramen, ramen noodle bar up in the Decatur. Forget the name. But I've taken a real passion to Japanese food. Not sushi so much. You know, the noodles and the Tokyo curry. Yeah, James turns me on to some good places. In fact, he makes me look good with my boss because I take my boss there. And he goes, wow. <laughs> I didn't know this existed. Man, James, he just he helped so many of us in so many ways. If only he knew. Um, now, he, one thing he did tell me, and I want you to tell me a little about this backstory. So, like, I've gone to you downtown, and, and you're like, man, just park here, park there. You just, you just always, always wanting to just live on the edge. He tells me you once recommended you park somewhere, and it didn't turn out so good. Do you remember this story? Uh, did I get a ticket? I think you got booted. Yeah, I did. Tell me a little about that. Well, it was another restaurant that he recommended that I've I've actually been several times, and it's, I guess they're converted warehouses, old warehouses, and on one side is this restaurant, on the other side is some other businesses, and you can drive either side. Um, somehow, uh, 
the guys that run around with a boot, I don't know if they watch you or whatever, but so if you're going into that restaurant, you can only park on the right side. If you park on the left side and you come out of that restaurant, you're going to get a boot. And uh, I got a boot. I got a boot for parking on the <laughs> other side. Well, James, James is very adamant I asked you about that. So um, I'm not going to listen to where we park anymore. So, um, all right, <laughs> just kind of wrapping up here. Um, who's your go-to guy in the paddock? So let's say you're at Rotolander, you're at AMP, one of our events, and you have a question, just anything in general. Who's, who's the first guy you go to? Who's your go-to guy? Uh, question on, like, mechanical stuff or driving stuff? Uh, driving stuff. Well, you know, it, it's Gino Manley. All my <laughs> all my driving questions are aimed at you now. Yeah, but that usually ends with Jack. I don't know what you're talking about. Let me drive, and I'll tell you what you're talking about. And you know what? That's that's a great way for me to learn. I I, I learn through the practical experience of watching someone do something. Um, you could sit there and talk to me for five minutes, and after two minutes, I'm just like I'm done. So being a passenger, um has has been fruitful to me and has, in, and has improved my driving. Well, as we kind of conclude this up, I, I, man, this was good, guys. I, I really feel good about this one. Um, Rick, you have anything you want to throw in? Man, how can we top this? We had a, a wild story, a comeback, and some great lightning round. I'm good. Okay, well, Jack, before we end this, I just want to tell you, brother, I appreciate, you know, again, uh, it's, it's sunny a year ago. You you asked me, hey, can I go for a ride with you? And um, since then, the journey has been, man, it's been good. It's been, you know, under the lights of Charlotte. I've gotten to drive your car so much, and it's, it's really a pleasure to drive that car. It's a fantastic machine. Um, but really, and you're going to laugh at this, Jack. So, you know, when you guys see Jack in the paddock, he's – he doesn't look like the friendliest of characters, but when you get to know him, he, he will give you the shirt off his back. Um, it's funny. I, I'll never forget. I was flying in from Mid-Ohio to do the A&P event, and Jack was adamant he was going to pick me up. I was like, no, Jack, I'm not going to. I'm going to rent a car. I'll see the track in one. He said, well, I'm still going to be waiting there. And sure enough, it was about 1230. Him and James there, so they're waiting for me. Um, I feel like I have access to your house whenever I need it, and uh, I have access to a car whenever I'm up there, so... Um, it's really become more like a family up there uh, because of you, Jack. So I just want to thank you for your your hospitality and uh, always keeping me uh, keeping me company wherever at, whether it's PRI or uh, at the track. And uh, you know, you become a, a staple uh, of not only uh, the community but of, of whenever I'm at the track. I'm, I'm always uh, always going to be there with you. So before I sign off, um, if you had one message for the Jayzilla community, what would it be? Drive fast safely. Drive fast safely. Well, there it is. Mr. Jackson, we thank you so much for your time tonight. Will I see you next year? What's your uh, what's your schedule like for next year for 2020? What are we doing Saturday? There you go. <laughs> well, we're going to have – I am going to see you Saturday. I didn't realize. Not at the track, but uh, – Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, yes. Sunday. Yeah. We're going to see you. That's right. Sunday at uh, at Mr. Fusco's Italian restaurant. We'll have our end-of-the-year AOA party, so I'm looking forward to that. Can't wait. Uh, and, uh, but I guess we'll see you. What do you think, in Death of Winter? Um, that's a Sunday, so that's a tough one. I mean, you may see me there, but I don't know about, um, I doubt I'll get on track. Um, well, just, just leave the car for me and we'll be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just come pick it up. <laughs> so I can go there later. See, Gino, there's a, there's a trade-off coming though. Jack's going to start coming to the track and bringing the car, but when he's driving it, you got to watch the no, kids. I'm, I'm totally okay with that. We need to get them some carts. So he'll, hopefully he'll listen to me on that too. <laughs> <clears throat> Mr. Stangard, thank you again for your time tonight. Uh, 
So I guess that wraps up. Gosh, what is this? Episode 12. Episode 12 concludes. So, gentlemen, have a good night, and uh, I guess we'll see you guys at the track. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. Let me call mom.